Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Joshua? Joshua chapter 9. A disclaimer for our message. The inspiration from it came from a guy named Jensen Franklin. Landon listens to messages and listens to Billy Graham and he listens to messages. He's, Dad, listen to this. And, and Jensen Franklin talked about waiting on the Lord. Today I want to talk to you about waiting on the Lord or inquiring of the Lord. We're going to use that term interchangeably, the importance of waiting on the Lord. Now a little bit of background here. The children of Israel, led by Joshua, had just crossed the Jordan River and they've moved into the promised land. They've experienced great victories. God caused the walls of Jericho to fall down before them. They had a little setback with Ai. Then God gave them the victory at Ai. After these great victories take place, the kings of the region join together and they form an alliance to resist and to fight against Joshua and Israel. The people of Gibeon, though, they took a different approach. They were sure that they could not defeat Joshua militarily. So they set out to trick him. They want to trick him into entering into a covenant with them. And they send a delegation of people to meet with Joshua. These people have their sacks that they're carrying their stuff in, are old and worn out, they're patched. Their wineskins are cracked and old. Their clothes that they wear, they wear worn-out sandals and worn-out clothes. And the bread that they bring with them is bread that is hard and crusty and moldy. And that's what they bring with them. And they come to Joshua and they say to Joshua, Hey Joshua, we're from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. And the Israelites respond by saying, well, how can we make a treaty with you? We don't know who you are, and we don't know where you come from. Then the Gibeonites start telling them what they want to hear. There's some other people who tell people what they want to hear. We just want to be a part of your team. We've heard about the fame of your God. We've heard about the miracles he's done. We just want to be a part of your team. We've come from a very distant land and our elders, when they heard about you, they told us to pack our bags and come and meet with you and enter into a covenant with you. We want to enter into a treaty with you. We hear so much good stuff about you. We're just here to be your servants. Why don't you make a treaty with us? In Joshua chapter 9 verse 12, and that's where we're going to pick up our reading, it says this. This is what they say to him. They say, this bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home on the day we left to come to you. But now see how dry and moldy it is. And these wineskins, they were filled with new. But see how cracked they are. And our clothes and sandals are worn out by this very long journey. And the Israelites sampled their provision. I want you to notice the next phrase but did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. I want to go back for a minute. What had God told the Israelites they were supposed to do when they entered the promised land? I want to ask you, what has God told you that you're supposed to do? 
Okay? Well, for the Israelites, I want to just remind you of some of the things that God said to them. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, God said, it says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land you're entering to possess, and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you, and you've defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them, and show them no mercy. Don't intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons, or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you, and will quickly destroy you. This is what you're to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possessions. That doesn't sound very politically correct, does it? How would that work on CNN today? That would not go over very well in our country today. But I want you to know that the same God who says, be holy because I am holy, said it back then and he says it today. There's some things that when you come into relationship with him, if you want to possess the promises that he has for you, if you want to take possession of the land that he made for you and have a glorious inheritance that he has in store for you, you have to follow his commands. His command was, I'm telling you to drive them out. Destroy them completely. Have no mercy upon them. You and them cannot dwell together in the same land because if you do, if you let those things, if you let them abide in the land, they will be a snare to you. We can talk about that in the spiritual part of our lives. That there's some things when you come into covenant with Jesus, when you come into relationship with Him, there are some things that you must get rid of. There's some things you cannot allow to stay in your home. If you do, it will be a snare to you, it will be a problem to you down the road. It will eventually grab a hold of your children and pull them away from the things of God. So you can say it's old time preaching. It's not cool anymore. It doesn't matter. No, pastor, I'm telling you, you go ahead and do it and we will watch the enemy bring destruction into your camp. I've seen it once. I've seen it a thousand times. And so it's important that you and I, when God gives instructions to us, when he speaks to you, he is not just saying what something, oh, well, I think maybe this might be a good idea. His word is truth, okay? And you and I need to hold on to every single word of his mouth. We need to take it seriously. Unless you want to live in defeat. If you like being defeated, then don't listen to him. If you like opening a door for the enemy to ravage your family, to ravage your home, then just don't pay any attention and sit there and smile, okay? There's some other things that he says. Now, this is what he says. In Exodus 23, he says, I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the desert to the Euphrates River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land. 
and you will drive them out before you. Notice what he says. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in the land or what? Or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. Well, let's look a little more. Exodus 34, verse 10. Then the Lord said, I'm making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Obey what I command you today, and I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Be careful not to make... What does he say? He says, be careful. Don't live flippantly. You watch, you be on your guard. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you're going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars. He says it again. Smash their sacred stones. Cut down their Asherah poles. Do not worship any other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land. For when they prostitute themselves to their gods and sacrifice to them, They will invite you, and you will eat their sacrifices. And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your son, and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. We could stop preaching right there. That's all you need for today. I'm going to give you more, but that's all you would actually need for today. God says, there's some things where he says to you, if you let it in your house if you let it in the land, if you don't drive it out, if you don't utterly destroy it, if you play with it, it's eventually going to come back and bite you. You're going to pay a price. Not only are you going to pay a price, but your children are going to pay a price for this. They were strictly forbidden from making a covenant with the people of the land. They were given two options. Drive them out or utterly destroy them. But don't let them stay, because if you do, it will cost you. Many people have the attitude, well, it'll be all right. No, what did God tell you to do? He said to utterly destroy them. He said to drive it out. He didn't say it'll be all right. He didn't say that he'll make an exception for you, that somehow you'll be the one who gets by. He didn't say that. I would suggest this to you. People don't know the mind of God. When you do what you want, you don't know what you're missing out on. You don't know the things that God has in store. So many times we don't know the blessings that God wants to bring, the breakthroughs He wants to bring. We don't know the glorious future that He has when we sell ourselves short and do things our way. You don't know what you give up. You don't know what you're going to put up with for the rest of your life when you fail to obey the Lord. Joshua 9, 16. Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were their neighbors living near them. So the Israelites set out and on the third day came to their cities, Gibeon, Kapira, Bereth, and kareth Jerem. But the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders 
But all the leaders answered, we have given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. This is what we'll do to them. We'll let them live so that God's wrath will not fall on us for breaking the oath we swore to them. They continued, let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers in the service of the whole assembly. So the leaders promised to them was kept. What do we see taking place here? We see the children of Israel entering into covenant, a treaty with the people who God told them, I want you to drive them out. I want you to give them a chance to get out of town or I want you to utterly destroy them. God did not make an exception for the Gibeonites. This was a failure on the part of Israel. God said, I want you to destroy them or I want you to drive them out. So many times in church, we'll get people who down the road, they're going to see that their lives are messed up. But they think that God made an excuse or an exception for their disobedience. He did not make an exception for Israel's disobedience. They were disobedient to his word. Why did this happen? Because they did not inquire of the Lord. They didn't pray. They didn't seek the counsel of God. When the Gibeonites asked him to make a covenant, it was more than just being friends. It was a commitment. And from now on, here's how it changes. They were going to have to fight battles because they're in covenant with the Gibeonites. There's going to be a battle. From now on, when you're in covenant with somebody, their battle is your battle. Their problem is your problem. Their headache is your headache. Their hassle is your hassle. Am I talking to anybody? When you enter into covenant with someone God told you to stay away from, you open the door for all the dysfunction now becomes your dysfunction. All of the pain, all of the foolishness and the drama, it's now your drama. How did they get pulled into that? Because they did not inquire of the Lord. They were going to have to pay for them. They were going to have to deal with these people for the rest of their lives. So I want to suggest to you today that you think long and hard before you disobey the Lord and enter into covenant with those who God says to destroy. When they find out they've been deceived, they decided to make them woodcutters and water carriers. Jensen Franklin, he says, that's about all they were good for. When you make important decisions, you and I cannot afford to make important decisions based solely upon our intellect. Solely upon the evidence that we see, well, surely this is a good idea. We need to inquire of the Lord. We need to be guided by the Holy Spirit. We must seek the counsel of the Lord. We don't ask his counsel. And that's how we get entangled with the Gibeonites of this world. You have to learn to ask before you act. You have to ask before you enter into covenant. And here the people were winning and winning and winning. And they go to a place, they get to a place where they don't think they have to ask of the Lord because they've just had victory after victory. They make a decision in a moment that's going to cost them. Listen to me clearly. If you fail to inquire of the Lord, you're going to end up entangled with people and problems for a lifetime. And they're going to say, I'm your problem now. You're stuck with me. The best you're going to get out of them is a woodcutter and a water carrier. People always laugh when they say, some of you married that guy. But you know what? Some of you married that girl. 
People aren't laughing about that one. I don't understand that one. But that's what happened a lot of times. There's a lot of people who they've made decisions in a moment. They didn't stop before they enter into business with somebody, before they took the job, before they made the move. They did not inquire of the Lord. And as a result of that, they're stuck holding the bag. They're stuck dealing with these issues. Friends, we're supposed to be people who pray about everything. Before you buy that house, you inquire of the Lord. Before you buy that car, you better inquire of the Lord. Before you take that job, well, pastor, it looks like like it's a great place. It's a great opportunity. It may look like a great opportunity, but before you take that job, you need to inquire of the Lord. Before you let your kids go there, you need to inquire of the Lord. Before you let them be a part of something, you need to inquire of the Lord. You need to have the mind of Jesus Christ. When it comes to your children and your family, you better be asking the Lord. Before you let your daughter date that guy or your son date that girl, you better be inquiring of the Lord. You need to consult the Lord on everything. Even things that you say, I think I got this one. Don't know. I'm pretty good, Pastor. I think I got this one. How's that been working out for you? Huh? Some of those ones we think we got, we find out we don't have it, or we get something that we didn't want. Every decision, we stop and we consult the Lord. We wake up in the morning, we just ask Him, Lord, Lord, I just want to honor you today. Lord, I love you. I praise you. I thank you that you've been so good to me. You've been so faithful to me. You've always provided. You've always met me. So I pray today that you just guide me, Lord. I got some big decisions to make, but I want your wisdom, Lord. Lord, I ask you to shut the doors that you want shut. I may want to try and open it, but Lord, just lock it shut. Don't let that door budge. Don't let that door even crack for a little bit. I want your will. I want your best. I don't want to settle for what I want. I don't want to look at things through my eyes or through my wisdom. But I pray that I'd have the wisdom of Almighty God leading me and guiding me. Sam, before you do a bid, you need to ask the Lord, Lord, did you want me to bid on this job? What should I charge him? Any decision that you and I make, we need to consult the Lord. We need to ask him again and again. I don't want what he doesn't want to give me. Some of us, you know, we make up our mind. I got to have it. Like Israel, we want a king. Give us a king. Give us a king. God says, I don't want to give you a king. You've got a king. I want to be your king. No, we want a king. And there's times if you press and press, God will give you what you want. But I wish there would be a people today who would say, God, I don't want anything that you don't give me. I may ask for it, but Lord, shut the door to everything that you don't give me. I want only what you want from me. I only want your will, and I only want your best in my life. If you don't consult the Lord, it's going to be a problem for you. I promise you, when you fail to consult the Lord, it's going to rise up and bite you in the behind. Look to the person next to you and say, I think he might be talking about you. (laughs) Friends, you and I, we can't afford. We're living in the last days. The enemy's at work. He has all kinds of schemes in which he's trying to come against us and against our families and against the church of Jesus Christ. And in these last days, we cannot afford to make decisions without consulting the Lord. The Holy Spirit will lead us into truth. 
Ask the Lord to let you hear his voice. He loves it. He loves it when you ask him. Lord, which way do you want me to go? He's not bothered. He's not too busy. When you ask him, Lord, which way do you want me to go? What decision do you want me to make? It shows your respect and honor for him. It shows your reverence for him. And he'll speak to you. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. You ask him, he'll speak to you, friend. You don't know which way to go. You're not sure. You're overwhelmed with the decision. God, I don't know. Just ask him. You'll hear his voice. Isaiah 42, 16. says, I'll lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I'll guide them. I'll turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Some people have had a rough road because they haven't asked the Lord. God says, I'll make the rough places smooth. I'll clear a way for you. I'll make a way for you in the wilderness. I'll make a way for you in the desert. I will make a clear path that you can follow and you can know my will if you will consult the Lord. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Friend, you can hear his voice. He's speaking. I want to tell you something. He's speaking today. And some of you say, well, pastor, I've made some mistakes in the past. You know what? That's what the grace of God is for. But from this moment on, I'm going to listen. From this moment on, I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to tune my ear to him. Isaiah 30 verses 1 through 2 says, Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me. Friend, I want to encourage you to learn to wait on the Lord and do nothing. Just wait on him. Pastor, I got to do something. I got to do something. Any of you get antsy? I get antsy sometimes. And I got to do something about it. We got to do something. I got to make something happen. Sometimes we feel like a fool. Just speaking honestly, sometimes I feel like a fool waiting on the Lord. Now, to say that, I kind of embarrassed that I would say that, but I do. Well, surely I got to make something happen. Surely I got to do something, Lord. I can help you, God. There are situations where God says to wait upon me. Some people wear themselves out. Just running, 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 running. What's the word say? If you wait upon the Lord, he'll renew your strength. You'll mount up with wings of his eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. Who does that come to? That comes to the man or the woman who waits upon the Lord. That's not just laying around doing nothing. That's the person whose ears are attentive. That's the person who's fixed their eyes. What do you want from me, Lord? What are you asking of me? In Isaiah 30, verse 15, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust, hear that? In quietness and trust is your strength. But you'd have none of it. You wouldn't have what? You wouldn't have trust. And you wouldn't have quietness. You wouldn't wait. You had to make it happen. We see that in the life of Saul. Remember Samuel made a promise to Saul? I'll read some more of that scripture in just a second. Samuel made a promise to Saul. He said, I'm going to come. 
They're going to go into battle. They're going to go into battle. And he says, I'm going to come and make a sacrifice. And Saul's there, and Samuel delays his coming. And the people are getting antsy. And what does Saul do? Saul's like, man, I've got to do something. People are getting nervous. They're getting stressed. I've got to do something. And Saul, in that moment, instead of waiting on the Lord and trusting in the Lord, he takes things into his own hands and offers the sacrifices. And when he comes, Samuel addresses it. And Saul's kingdom was taken from him because he failed to wait upon the Lord. Well, listen to what it says in our text here. And quietness and trust is your strength, but you'd have none of it. You said, no, we'll flee on horses. Therefore, you'll flee. You said, we'll ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. And we skip down a few verses. And so that's that person who they're stressed and we got to do something. I got to do something. I got to jump on a wild horse and take off running. I got to get something accomplished. I got to move. God, we can't just stand here and wait on you. We look foolish. I got to do something. Notice what he says down in verse 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. All those who wait for him. Blessed, fortunate, to be envied are those who wait upon the Lord. Those who inquire of the Lord. Your experience, there's enough people in this room that your experience could preach this message. You didn't wait on the Lord. You went ahead. You took things into your own hands. You got that old woodcutter and water carrier. You still live. Their drama is your drama. You still live with the drama. You still fight the battles. They weren't even your battle. But the Lord's longing to be gracious to you today. Oh, man, he's so good. He's longing to pour out his grace and his mercy in your lives. But what he asks you to do is don't be in such a hurry. Don't be in such a rush. Don't be in such a hurry. Don't be in such a rush. Don't be so impulsive to just make a decision. But just wait on me. Don't tell God what you have to have from him. Just ask him, Lord, I know you'll give me the best. I know you'll do what's for my good. You've never failed me yet. When I waited on you, some of you are weary and tired from trying to make things happen. And the Lord wants you just to wait. Father, today, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for the scripture that we read. And all of the scripture is an example to us to show us the way to go, what to avoid. And Father, I pray today in Jesus' powerful name that your people would slow themselves down and simply wait. Inquire of you. What's your will, Lord? How do you want me to respond? What do you want me to shut the door to? What do you want me to say no to? And what do you want me to say yes to? So, Father, today, as we invite you in this room, Lord, we repent for the times that we've rushed ahead, that we've not obeyed what your word said, or we've not been slowed down to hear what your voice would say. We repent for those times. And we settle our spirits down just for a few moments 
that we may hear your voice. We're going to hear a voice behind us saying this is a way. Walk ye in it. May you give clear direction and clear guidance to the people of God. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' holy name.